Hallelujah. Why don't you praise him right now? Why don't you stand to your feet with me, lift your hands in the presence of God. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I bring you my praise, God. I bring you my praise, Lord. I'm the only one that knows what it costs me. I bring you my offering. I bring you my sacrifice of praise, Lord. I magnify your name. You're holy and righteous. You're mighty. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. When you praise him, you declare his worth. Amen. You declare his value. If you have your Bible while you're standing, I want you to turn with me to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. If you're unfamiliar with Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. If you have it, would you say amen? amen. Scripture said, Behold, I will send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly, everybody say it with me, suddenly come to his temple i want to talk for just a few moments about this subject when god moves suddenly when god moves suddenly would you pray with me lord jesus i love you thank you for your anointing i thank you for the presence of god that i feel in this house on a sunday morning I'm asking, Lord, that in the next few moments you take, Lord, these words that I'm about to preach, Lord, and let them impact our heart and our life. I'm asking, God, that you would take over and have your way. Let me become the mouthpiece of God. Let, let the very oracle of God speak through me today, Lord. And I'm asking, Lord, you let these words bring life. Let them bring hope. Let them bring encouragement, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, help somebody in this place, Lord, get a hold of a promise uh, that you've already given them, Lord, uh, and believe, Lord. Lord, when you move, uh, you're going to move suddenly, God. Uh, everything's going to change, Lord. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. The little book of Malachi occupies a unique position. It is the last book of the Old Testament era, and it is the beginning of 400 years of silence. It's the beginning of a period of time in which God gave no fresh revelation. Think about it for a minute. The prophet of the Lord speaks for God and says, Behold, I am sending my messenger. He will prepare the way before me, and I will suddenly come to my temple. The sudden coming of the Lord to the temple is reminiscent of the glory of the Lord that settled upon the temple of Solomon, that temple that Solomon built when God suddenly occupied that temple on that day. And the promise of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament is that God is going to do it again. He's coming back uh, to his temple uh, in a sudden display of his glory and his majesty. It's a prophecy of hope. 
It's a prophecy of, uh, of expectancy. It foretells a season of restoration and promise that has not yet occurred. And it has the ring of immediacy to it. God will come suddenly. But with that message of hope, the prophets fall silent. It's not just the voice of a single man that stopped. God literally stopped speaking. He simply stopped communicating with his people. I'm not talking about weeks. I'm not talking about months. I'm not even talking about years or decades. The silence of God after that promise is measured in centuries. 400 years passed after God said, I'm going to move suddenly. After God said, the Lord whom you seek is going to suddenly come to his temple. And in all of that time, God never moved. There was absolutely no evidence that God was ever going to bring his promise to pass. Hundreds of years passed. The voice of prophecy fell silent. But the world kept on turning. Life kept on happening. The Romans invaded. The nation fell into captivity again. It seemed as if God had completely forgotten his people. Then the atmosphere began to change. At first, it was just a subtle shift. Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appeared to Zechariah in the temple and announced the birth of a messenger that would prepare the way of the Lord. It was the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy that had been given so many years ago. Uh, Elizabeth would give birth uh, to John the Baptist, uh, and after 400 years, uh, the promise was going to be fulfilled. Shortly after that, the angel appeared before Mary and foretold the birth of that child named Jesus, the one that he said would be Emmanuel, God with us. After 400 years of waiting, the situation began to change. God was suddenly moving in the atmosphere on a day just like today, a day that seemed normal, a day that seemed no different than the vast procession of days that had preceded it. The situation began to change. Light shined in the darkness. That's what John said. God was manifest in the flesh. The kingdom of the Lord was at hand. Amen. Demons were subject to him. Uh, the wind and the rain obeyed him. Uh, disease and sickness yielded uh, to his authority. Everything changed. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, God, who had been working for years out of sight, began to make his presence evident. After 400 years of silence, God was moving. After 400 years of nothing, God was working. Finally, the promise was coming to pass. Finally, people were beginning to believe this is the Messiah. 
This is that hour. He declared that the kingdom of God has come. And they began to believe. Then after three and a half short years of ministry, Jesus was apprehended by his enemies. And they prevailed against him. The healer, the Messiah, the promised Lord was nailed to an old rugged cross. He was beaten, he was mocked, and he was crucified. And as the last breath left his body, it seemed once again as if that promise would never come to pass. But three years later, uh, three days later, 400 years, three days Three days later, he came out of the grave with power and authority and appeared to his followers, and he walked with them, and he talked with them, and, and he spent time with them for nearly a month. They, they were together uh, as he opened their understanding, and he increased their faith. Uh, then the day came when nearly 500 of his followers saw him get caught up into heaven, and his last command to them was go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of God. As many as 500 joyful, expectant followers of Jesus set out for Jerusalem that day intent on receiving the promise of God for their lives, but still the promise tarried. Jesus told them, go and wait, but he never told them how long they would have to wait. So they gathered together, and we can assume the majority of that crowd went to Jerusalem that day, and together they began to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. Brother Donnie, lunch came, and lunch went, and the promise hadn't come yet. Dinner came and passed, and still no promise was come. A night was spent, and the next morning still no promise had come. After a few days, some of them began to doubt that it would ever happen. Uh, after a week had passed uh, and no promise had come, uh, many of them became convinced uh, that the promise simply was not coming. Uh, and one by one, they began to trickle away. Uh, one by one, they began to find excuses. Uh, the affairs of life began to crop up. Uh, somebody said, I got to go take care of my business. Uh, and they left. Uh, and somebody else remembered that they had some pressing concern that they had to go and, and tend to and, and they slipped out uh, and it probably didn't happen all at once uh, but over the course of nine days 380 people abandoned the promise because it was taking too long to arrive slowly they trickled away slowly the crowd got smaller and smaller for the 120 that stayed faithful. It must have been a pretty disheartening moment. It probably seemed that they had invested themselves in a hopeless pursuit. It probably seemed as if their promise would never be fulfilled. It probably seemed as if they were waiting in vain. It probably, you know, I can just imagine Peter standing and counting heads on that 10th morning. Because I, I do it every Sunday morning. I'm, yeah, we got 30 here today. I can just imagine Peter doing that. He's, he's counting heads. And, and we started with 500 and we're down to 120. I wonder how many are going to leave today. 
day. I wonder when the promise is finally going to come. I wonder when God is going to do what he said he would do suddenly. Nothing visible was happening. There was no confirmation anywhere that the promise was coming. But slowly the calendar was changing. And a specific day, a specific moment in time that was foreordained hundreds of years before was approaching. And Acts chapter 2 begins this way. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Can I tell you, God was waiting on his moment. God was waiting for his time. God was waiting for the fullness of his time to come to pass. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Somebody said, you know what? Let's just seek God. Let's just believe. Let's just pray together. Amen. Let's get in one heart and one mind and let's seek the presence of God. Let's just believe together corporately that God's going to pour out his promise and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all somebody say all They were all filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Suddenly, God came to his temple. Not the temple of the Old Covenant, but the temple of the New Covenant. Make no mistake about it, this is the moment when Malachi's prophecy is fulfilled. This is the birth of the New Testament church. Suddenly, God brought his promise to pass. Suddenly, after everything that had transpired, uh, after everything that had gone on uh, for 400 years, uh, it seemed like God was doing nothing, uh, but he had a plan all along. Uh, For 400 years, uh, it looked as if God was neglecting his promise, uh, but it marked a day on a calendar. uh, Amen. He was looking for a specific moment. Uh, The promise had a specific time uh, of fulfillment. Paul tells us uh, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 that God was waiting for the fullness of his time to come. In other words, the promise had a specific moment assigned to it. For hundreds of years, it seemed like it would never happen. For hundreds of years, it seemed like it would never come to pass. But when God's time came, Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. When God's time came, amen, when God finally reached that place that had spoken of 400 years earlier, Jesus sent them to Jerusalem to wait, and they waited 10 days, and it seemed as if God had forgotten they were there, but he understood. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He told them to wait for that specific moment and when the day of Pentecost was fully come the promise had an appointed time God was waiting for a specific time to work God was never idle it didn't look like he was working it didn't look like he was doing anything there was no evidence of the hand of God 
But you can be sure, my friend, he was setting things in order. He was moving nations and people for 400 years. Uh, he was ordering events uh, all with one single purpose in mind. Uh, he was building for that moment uh, when the day of Pentecost uh, was fully come. Uh, it was never apparent. Uh, it was never obvious. Uh, you couldn't see it. Uh, you couldn't find the evidence. Uh, but when that moment arrived, suddenly God moved. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3, the prophet receives a vision from the Lord and he begins to translate that vision to the people, begins to tell them what it is that God has told him. And as he explains the significance of that vision, he says this, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I want to point out that word that, that's translated as an appointed time. The Hebrew word here literally refers to a due date. You know what a due date is? Amen. It, it's the end of a period of waiting. Uh, it's the beginning of a period of promise. Uh, it's the end uh, of, of a time uh, of change, uh, of uncomfortableness, uh, of difficulty, uh, but it's the beginning uh, of a time of joy. Uh, it's the beginning of a time of rejoicing. Uh, I want somebody to hear me in this house on a Sunday morning. Uh, God's promise for your life has a due date. I said God's promise for your life has an appointed time assigned to it. And whatever you do, don't give up on the promise. Whatever you do, don't let go of it before it comes to pass. Whatever you do, don't back up simply because the due date hasn't arrived yet. I come to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning, you're holding on to a promise from God. You're believing that God's going to do what he said he would do. And it seems like you can't see anything happening. And it seems like there's nothing changing. And it seems like it's hopeless. But I come to you with a word from heaven this morning your promise has a due date it's going to come it's going to happen what would you say to a pregnant woman who decided eight and a half months into the pregnancy that it was never going to happen because it was taking too long I've never been pregnant but I have a wife I remember eight and a half months. Amen. I, I, I remember with that one, she looked big enough to be carrying twins. We started out shooting them little baby bump pictures, and she stood in the same place every month, and we took that picture. And I, I, I distinctly remember the last picture. And, 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 and she was ready to pop, but we were only about eight and a half months in, and it wasn't time yet can you imagine if she decided then I, I'm just I'm not done with this I'm just going to give up on this it's never going to happen it's never going to come to pass everybody under the sound of my voice would tell that pregnant woman you need to hang on you need to keep on don't give up now it's going to happen just like he said it would the doctor gave you a due date and you may be a little early or a little late but honey I can promise you the doctor may not know it but God knows it there's a moment there's a time it's going to come to pass 
Each and every person under the sound of my voice would tell that woman, don't give up. They would remind her pregnancy is a temporary state. Now, I, I, I know I'm, I don't think I'm speaking to anybody right now that's pregnant, but pregnancy doesn't seem temporary when you're in it. It seems permanent. But I'm here to tell you with certainty, pregnancy is a temporary condition and sooner or later later the baby will be born uh, the discomfort of waiting will be replaced with the joy of becoming a parent and i can tell you it'll be worth it in the end uh, there's going to be a lot of heartache there's going to be a lot of trouble that if you're pregnant in july it's going to be hot amen uh, you're going to suffer through some difficult circumstances uh, honey you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night and go buy pickles and and chocolate uh, frosties from wendy's uh, and, and and, and french fries from McDonald's because she doesn't want french fries from Wendy's and she doesn't want a Frosty from McDonald's. She wants Frosty from Wendy's and french fries from McDonald's. Uh, you're going to go through that, uh, but can I tell you it's just temporary? Uh, can I tell you it's going to pass? Uh, can I tell you the promise is going to come sooner or later? God's going to deliver on what he said he would do. God will always Put the expectancy of the promise in your heart long before it comes to pass. I come to speak to the church on this Sunday morning. Your promise has a due date. God knows where we are. God knows what we're going through. God knows where, what, we, what we've seen. God knows what we've heard. And I'm here to tell you, God's getting ready to bring it to pass. Don't let the current circumstance, don't let the current situation cause you to lose your faith in the promise. Don't let the situation that's around you. I know you've been waiting for what seems like such a long time, but you need to hear this. Waiting is never permanent. It's always temporary God will give you that sense of expectancy long before he brings it to pass he will declare to Mary that the Holy Spirit of God is going to overshadow her and she'll bring forth a son and that son will be called Jesus but weeks will pass before there's ever any evidence months will pass before the promise finally arrives i want you to understand the promise always contains a waiting period i want you to understand the promise always comes with expectancy before it comes to fulfillment amen there's always a church that's hungry there's always a people that are reaching and striving that have not yet seen what it is that they're reaching for but are still pushing i come to tell you the wait is always temporary and the moment always arrives. There's a church in Lake City because God wants a church in Lake City. Amen? And we're not here by accident. We didn't get in this building by our own hand. I, I don't know if anybody else is participating in Testimony Tuesday. I'm going to tell you something. If you're on social media, you need to participate in Testimony Tuesday. Amen? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at my Facebook page. Amen. It's one of my most shared posts in all the history of the time I've been on Facebook is this past Tuesday when I shared what God did to bring us into this building. Why? Because when God gets glory, when God's lifted up, amen, people feel the presence of the Lord and there's something quickened in their heart. I want you to know you need to share what God's done for you. You need to tell it. Amen. Oh, you got a testimony.
You do. And the world needs to hear it because it builds faith. So on Testimony Tuesday, you need to tell what God's doing for your life. Amen. Mark my words. The promise that's within you is going to come to pass. I believe with every fiber of my being what the prophet said. The promise does not lie. The promise will come to pass. Amen. There's a church in Lake City because he wants a church in Lake City. And we have been promised a, a harvest is coming to this church. Amen. We've been promised. The man of God stood in this pulpit and this is what he said. You're going to reap from seeds you haven't sown. Amen. We've sown a lot of seed already in this community. We've been here 10 years plus. Uh, we sold a lot of seed in this community, but what God said uh, is there's a harvest coming uh, that was planted long before you ever got here. Uh, God's getting ready to do something he's been promising to do for over 40 years. Hallelujah. I can't tell you exactly where. I can't tell you exactly when. I can't tell you how much longer we're going to wait, but mark my words, the moment is soon coming when everything's going to change. God is suddenly going to move in his house. God is suddenly going to make himself manifest, and the promise is going to come to pass. I felt it last Sunday morning. I feel it in this house today. There's a change uh, in the atmosphere. Uh, something's getting ready to happen. Uh, there's a shifting taking place. Uh, something's getting ready to change. Uh, amen. God's getting ready to move. Uh, and when he moves, you can mark it down. He's going to move suddenly. Because God always moves suddenly. This could be the day. This could be the moment. This could be the service. This could be the place where the power of God begins to make itself manifest uh, in that final fulfillment of this promise uh, that we've held on to for so many years. Uh, this could be the day when everything changes. Uh, but if it's not, uh, you need to hear me. Uh, amen. Everything's getting ready to change. Uh, revival is coming. Uh, God has not abandoned us. Uh, God has not forgotten us. Uh, he knows right where we are. He knows exactly what we've been through. And we have a promise. And that promise does not lie. It won't happen on my schedule. I wish it would. My schedule was several years ago. It won't happen on your schedule. But it will happen. You can mark it down. Just as surely as the sun is going to come up in the morning, God's going to do what he said it would do. Just as surely as that eight and a half month pregnant woman is eventually going to give birth. I'm going to tell you something. You're pregnant with the promise of God and it's going to come to pass in this house. We are coming out of the valley. We are coming out of the wilderness. We are going to see revival. This church will grow. God will come to his temple. There will be miracles. Souls will be saved. Hearts will be mended. Broken families will be put back together again. All the wrongs in life will be covered by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus, there will be the sound of rejoicing. There will be the sound of new birth. It will happen. Suddenly, God is going to show up. Suddenly, he's going to bring his word to pass. Suddenly, everything is going to change because when God moves, he always moves suddenly. 
you may go through days or weeks or months or even years when you can't see him working. But don't ever doubt it. He's got a plan. He has a perfect time. He has a, a moment of fulfillment. You're pregnant with his promise, and he's going to bring it to pass. You're going to go through places where you can't feel him. You're going to go through places where you can't see him, where there's no evidence of his hand at work in your life. You're going to go through times that are going to try your faith and test your endurance. But listen to this man of God on a Sunday morning. Hang in there. Keep holding on to your promise, because when God moves, He's going to move suddenly. It's going to happen all at once. When God suddenly occupied his temple in the Old Testament, it was a day to be remembered. The whole nation had come to celebrate the completion of the temple and to dedicate it to the Lord. They came together to worship him. The sacrifices numbered in the thousands. They were having church. Amen. There was a steady procession of of priests going in and out of the temple. They were worshiping the Lord. And then suddenly, the glory of God descended upon that place, uh, shrouded in a thick cloud so thick that the priests could no longer see to do their duty in the temple. The Shekinah glory of God filled the house of God. God made himself evident, and it happened suddenly. One moment, they were having church. The next moment, the glory of God settled in that place. One moment, uh, they were offering sacrifices. Uh, one moment, it seemed as if uh, just another day at church. Uh, it seemed as if just another service, uh, just another time uh, in the presence of God. Uh, then suddenly, God showed up and changed everything. But that temple, that exquisite edifice of worship that Solomon built had long been destroyed before Malachi gave his prophecy. Malachi is the last prophet of the Old Testament era. By the time he writes his prophecy, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah have already overseen the building of a new temple. This new temple is not as grand as the old temple. It's not as elaborate. It doesn't have as much riches and wealth and, and, and physical glory about it. And God has never come to that temple in the same grand fashion that it came to Solomon's temple. The prophets have prophesied. They have declared the glory of this latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. They're saying the glory of that latter-day temple will be greater than the glory of Solomon's temple, but it has not happened yet. Nothing. There has been no visitation. There has been no sudden appearance of the glory of God, and it would not happen for over 400 years. When the glory of God finally came to that temple, he did it in a way that nobody expected. It was an ordinary day in Jerusalem. Nothing set it apart. There were no crowds of worshipers at the temple. The air was not filled with the bleats and bellows of animals amassed to offer thousands of sacrifices unto God. There was no steady stream of priests in and out of the temple ministering before the Lord. With no fanfare, with no announcements of his coming, 
with no glory cloud to accompany him. A little eight-day-old baby boy was brought into the temple for the rite of circumcision and to receive a name that was conferred upon him by his parents at the instruction of an angel. And when that name was pronounced, Jesus, heaven stood at attention. The king of glory had come suddenly to his temple. The king of glory had arrived in that latter house. Its glory indeed was greater than the glory of the former house. But it didn't happen in that sudden remarkable fashion that Malachi had promised. It didn't happen with that elaborate demonstration that Malachi had said. God entered his house wrapped in swaddling clothes manifest in the body of a human baby. And the priest took no notice. The crowds didn't celebrate. Only Simeon and Anna ever recognized the significance of what happened on that day. Those two faithful followers of God saw that baby and felt the Holy Ghost speak to them and knew this is the Messiah. They're the only people that understood it. But it was the beginning of a new thing. Everything was changing. The atmosphere was shifting. God was signaling that with that, that second visitation to the temple that it would be different uh, than the first. When God comes suddenly to his temple the second time, it's going to be different uh, than the way he came the first time. Uh, what Malachi described uh, as God coming suddenly to his temple, the book of Acts describes as God pouring out his spirit in the upper room. The temple of God in the New Testament is not a structure of brick and mortar. It's not the temple that was built with men's hands. No longer would God reside behind a veil over the mercy seat. No longer would God be shut away and excluded. Now the temple of God would be the hearts and lives of the people of God and God would dwell within them accessible to the whole world through them. He would make himself manifest as he filled their heart with his presence. And when God came suddenly to his temple, there was an outward manifestation of his presence when the Holy Ghost fell on the people of God, uh, they began to speak with other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And everybody knew God had come to his temple. What happened on the day of Pentecost was not an isolated thing. The glory of God fell once on Solomon's temple. But in the New Testament, God's doing a new thing. His people are his temple and his temple keeps growing and every time a new person joins the family of God. Every time a new individual is grafted uh, into the kingdom of God, into the temple of God, God comes to his temple in the same way. What happened in the upper room uh, is not an isolated incident. Uh, it happens over and over and over again throughout the history of the church. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, I'll give you one example. Uh, there was a Gentile named Cornelius uh, who was seeking God. Uh, he was hungry for God. Uh, he 
was a Jewish proselyte. He was a Gentile that worshiped the God of the Jews. And while he was praying one day, the Spirit of God moved and an angel appeared to him and said, you need to send a Joppa for one named Simon Peter who's going to preach to you and tell you what it is you need to do. Peter was on a rooftop in Joppa and the Holy Ghost moved upon him and said, Peter, I don't want you to question what I'm about to do because what I'm declared to be clean, no man is to declare to be unclean. And the Gentiles came and said, our master has sent us that you may come and preach to him. And Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10 verse 44 said, And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Uh, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I'm here to tell you, when God suddenly fell uh, on Cornelius and his household, uh, they received the Holy Ghost uh, in the same way uh, that was poured out in the upper room. Uh, amen. They received the Holy Ghost the same way that the disciples did, the same way that the 120 did. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is this promise uh, is for everybody. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, is for everybody. Peter on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out they began to act like fools they began to act like they were drunk crowd gathered in the street to mock and make fun and, and Peter stood up with the elders or with the eleven and he declared to the crowd this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel Hundreds of years ago, it was prophesied. Hundreds of years ago, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And when God says all flesh, it's not exclusive to the upper room. So when Peter preaches to them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm here to tell somebody in this house uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, God's still moving suddenly upon his temple. Uh, God's still pouring out his spirit. Uh, anytime a person surrenders their heart, uh, surrenders themselves completely and fully to God uh, without reservation, uh, having repented of their sins, uh, God fills them with his spirit. Amen? you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to know it's for you. Amen. When you receive it, you speak with other tongues just like they did in the book of Acts. Amen. He'll move his spirit upon you. He comes into your heart and he moves from the inside out. The Bible said from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And when the spirit of God overshadows you and he begins to move inside of you, as long as you maintain control, as long as you hold on tight, amen, he'll never be able to take over. But when you surrender, when you let everything thing go. Uh, when you let God have his way, uh, the Holy Ghost will come suddenly uh, into your life uh, and you'll know it uh, because of an outward manifestation. Uh, you begin to speak with other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Hallelujah. Jesus says, just like the wind that blows, 
You don't know where it come from, and you don't know where it's going, but you heard the sound. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a sound that accompanies, accompanies it. Amen? I know I've been long, and I'm about to wrap up. But I want you to know this could be the day. This could be the service. This could be the moment when God suddenly moves in your life. There's an old story. I heard it 20 plus years ago. It did not come to my mind until I was already on the platform today, and I don't have it written down, so I'm going to do my best to tell it the way I remember it. It was a mining outfit bought an abandoned mine shaft deep in the mountains of California. Long, lonely mine shaft running into the mountain that had been abandoned years and years and years before. And they began to go in, and they began to clean it up, and they began to reinforce the tunnel, replace the old rotten timbers, and and, and, and make sure that it was safe. And they worked their way down that long, long mine shaft. They finally got to the end of the mine. And as they were excavating and clearing things out and getting ready to begin again to dig for gold in that old mine shaft, as they were taking the stuff out, they found there under the dust and the debris of, of years and years and years of time they found an old abandoned pickaxe and a little headband with a candle, a mining rig left over from the great California gold rush, representative of a man who left everything, who crossed a nation with hope in his heart that he was going to strike it rich, uh, who abandoned everything he had, uh, put everything on the line, uh, came all the way here uh, and began to dig into that earth uh, and press that tunnel deep uh, into that mountain. Uh, amen. And finally reached the point uh, of frustration. Uh, finally reached the point uh, where he decided, I, I haven't struck gold yet. Uh, it's never going to happen for me. Uh, I've been pushing so long. Uh, it's never going to come to pass. And he gave up. He buried the pick and the candle, and he went home. Brother Donnie, they reinforced that tunnel, and they began to dig again. And they began to chip away at the bedrock. On the first day, six inches into the bedrock, they struck pure, solid gold. That old miner stopped just six inches short of the thing he was dreaming of. Just six inches short of the promise. He gave up hope. That gold was there all along. It was there right in the 1840s, whenever he, uh, was it 49, 1849, the gold rush. He was there. It was there all along. But he stopped just before he got there. Would you stand with me? I, I, I know I've been long. I know I've belabored the point. But I come to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning that God has not forgotten the promise that he made to you. 
God has not forgotten you where you are and what you're going through, and he's getting ready to move. And when he does, he's going to move suddenly. You better get ready because in six inches, everything's going to change. You better get ready. Because you're about to push through to a breakthrough uh, that changes everything. I can't tell you when. Uh, I can't tell you where. Uh, I can't tell you how. Uh, but this church is getting ready to move. Uh, amen. We're marching on. Uh, God's going to give revival uh, because God isn't finished in Lake City yet. Uh, keep pressing. Uh, keep. I know you want to give up. Uh, I know you want to bury the pick. Uh, I know it's been a long, lonely road. Uh, I understand there's been disappointments. Uh, but I'm telling you to hang on. Uh, the promise is going to come. Uh, revival. Bibles in the air. Uh, the atmosphere is changing. Uh, there's a shift taking place. God is getting ready to move suddenly. Let me tell you how you'll be able to recognize when it's begun. When God moves suddenly, you're going to know it because He's going to fill people with His Spirit. He's going to come to His temple. There's going to be the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Gifts are going to be an operation. Miracles are going to take place. And sinners' hearts are going to be transformed. People who have never experienced the fullness of what it is that God has for them. Good people. Religious people. People who love God, but had never, ever experienced the fullness of what it is that God has for them. They're going to stand in this altar. They're going to lift their hands to heaven uh, with tears streaming down their face uh, as they surrender their life to Him. Uh, the Holy Ghost is going to move, and suddenly God's going to change everything for them. It's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. These altars are going to ring uh, again with shouts of rejoicing. Uh, amen. People are going to pray through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's going to happen uh, because that's what God does. He always brings His promise to pass. He brings hope to the hopeless. He brings joy to the sorrowful. He gives me beauty for my ashes. He gives me peace for my chaos. I wonder if under the sound of my voice this morning there's somebody that's willing to step out and say, you know what, I'll push on. That old rock is tough, but I'm going to chip away at it one more time. This may not be the Sunday when you come suddenly, but this will not be the Sunday that I quit. This may not be the moment when you fill this house with your glory, but this will not be the moment when I throw in the towel. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep believing. This may be the day when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost all over again, this may be the day when it fills somebody with a spirit uh, fresh and new. Uh, this may be the moment uh, when everything changes. You need to make up your mind right here, right now. I'm going to hold on. Uh, I'm going to keep reaching. Uh, I'm going to keep believing. Uh, I'm going to keep pressing uh, until I see the promise come to pass. Uh, I won't give up. Uh, I won't stop. Uh, I won't surrender. Uh, I'm going to keep pressing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
I wish you let the Holy Ghost just move through this place right now. Presence of God, have you? Why don't you lift your voice to heaven right now and call out to Him? I need you, Jesus. We need your touch, Lord. We need your encouragement, Lord. We need your strength, Lord. We need your blessing, Lord. We're asking in the name of Jesus you pour out of your spirit, Lord. Let the baptism of the Holy Ghost be poured out in this place, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't you reaffirm your faith right now in the promise? Why don't you reaffirm your faith right now in what it is that God has said He's going to do for you? In Jesus.